in recent years there's been a fascination with uh, reality TV shows. I guess Big Brother was probably the first one. Uh, I'm not sure when that came out. Was it maybe around 2000. I'm not sure, 2000, 2002 or something. Um, so this idea that you just get kind of random people to live in a house and put cameras all over the place and get them to do various things or challenges and then people have to vote them off and you know, it gets the whole, the, all the viewers and it gets them, all of them involved in watching and investing in these people's lives and then voting who should stay and who should leave and so on and so forth. Um, it's a, it, yeah, I think it's, it's the kind of TV that has potential for disaster because then uh, obviously after Series 1, Series 2, Series 3, you have to have something new. You have to have something maybe a little more scandalous or shocking. Or, you know, if some, there always has to be something. Uh, you can't keep running the same thing. So there's going to have to be some innovation. Uh, and then you get as far as maybe things like Love Island now these days, which we won't go into because this is a happy homily. So, um, but I was, just, uh, I was int just interested in like, the lives of the rich and famous and even how being rich and famous, those, those words often go together, you know, as an aspiration for young people. I want to be rich and famous. I want to be rich and famous. Even just last night, like my news feed um, has some important things about drought across Europe and about Ukraine. And then there's this uh, other article about, you know, Tom Cruise refuses to give an autograph to someone as he leaves the helipad. And there's pictures of him walking away kind of angrily. Or, and there's this, this guy dying for, for, for an autograph. And that becomes international news. I remember even months back, like Angelina Jolie went shopping in Walmart, and it was huge. It was, it was big news. It was big news, you know, because she stopped there apparently at the Italian salami and parmesan section, and they were wondering which she would get. You know, would she get the the full triangle wedge shape of the parmigiano, or would she get the pre-grated stuff? I mean, international news just because she's rich, just because she's famous. So these kind of things. And so I was thinking to myself, why on earth would anybody want to be famous? Why would you want to be famous? and have every single thing you do analysed. And you go for a holiday here or there, you buy this car or that car, and everybody wants to know why. You know, you have no privacy. Uh, and then even the people you think are your friends, what are they, why are they your friends? Why are they your friends? Why do they like you? What do they like about you? Do they like you? Because effectively you have benefits. You know, I mean, with Angelina Jolie, you can get into pretty much, I suppose, any pub, club, party for free in the world. Uh, I mean, wh what do they like about them? remember years ago, it was probably one of the first bands uh, who caused this kind of a reaction, but the Beatles, right? And they're, they're very famous um, videos of the crowds watching the Beatles. And you have these front row girls uh, inconsolably crying. They're, they're just, they're, oh my goodness, it's Ringo Starr. And they're crying. They're in bits in the front row singing along to these songs, you know? I think it was probably, they were probably the first bands to have that kind of a reaction. But it, it begs this question, these fans, are we as spectators for the, the lives of the rich and the famous? What is it we like about them? These, 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 these crying girls in the front row, what do they like about the Beatles? To be honest, they know nothing about them, apart from the fact that they can play music and they sing songs. They know nothing about their private lives. They know nothing about what any of those people have in here. Nothing. And so it, it begs this kind of this serious question. When people say they love us, what do they love about us? I'm not implying that there isn't anything to love about you, but I think it's, just, it is, it's an interesting question. When people say they love us or they care, what do they, actually, what do they love about us? Because that is important. Because I think in general there are two uh, is 
areas, if you will, that there are two things that people can love about us. People can love what we do, or people can love who we are. And loving people for what they do, in reality, isn't really authentic love. If I love the Beatles just because they're good musicians, then as soon as they stop to be good musicians, I don't really care about them anymore. If I love my wife because she's seriously attractive and successful or whatever it is, well, then when she gets old and she's no longer attractive or successful, then my love for her is kind of... Mm. If I love anything, any person at all for what they do, my love is conditional. My love depends on them performing in a certain way or being, in a, certain, being a certain way or achieving something. My love is conditional. So if we reverse this around as to how God sees us. And it's, it's a very interesting question, uh, which I, I, think, I, it's, I think it's just very important to reflect on. I mean, what does God love about you? What does God love about me? What, what does he love about me? What is there to love? You see, I don't think he's particularly impressed with what I do, as in what we do is important. I mean, the, the choices we make daily to serve and to love and to forgive and to get over ourselves and our own needs and put others before us and all that kind of, that is all important, absolutely. But his love isn't dependent on that. And this is something which we find difficult to understand because this is a, a completely different reality. But love isn't something that God does in the same way like I can, I play music, I fix a hoover, I wash up dishes. Right? These are external actions to me. I can do them or not do them. Whereas God is love. So it's not that God is here and then he kind of chooses to love. God is love, so he can't not love because it's who he is, not something he does. It's who he is. It's his very nature. It's very essence. So he can't, there's no moment when God isn't loving. There's no moment when, when God is tired or exhausted or just sick of us and decides not to love and let anger or something take over. That's just impossible because God is love. It's something he is, not something he does. So God is always love, which means God always loves us. Now, that's kind of, that can kind of be like, you know, when you're a teenager and uh, you're dying for some girl or some boy to love you and the relationship doesn't work out or the relationship breaks up, but then your mom says, well, sure, look, I love you. And you're like, that's, that's nice. My mom loves me. <laughs> that's... Uh, that's great. Yeah, I'm feeling really fulfilled now. Yeah, No one else loves me but my mom. Uh, so sometimes maybe when we think of God's love, it's kind of, I don't know, it's taken for granted or it's, um, it's considered less than it actually is. It's considered less important than it actually is. For us to be loved by God is... such a profound and beautiful mystery that we will spend all eternity in heaven immersed in it and deepening our understanding of it. As we are united to God in heaven, we will spend all eternity, because it's, 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 it's bottomless, it's, it's infinite, so we will, as finite beings, we will spend all eternity discovering new depths of God's love for us. It's even here like on this earth for us to try and get our heads around God's love for us maybe that, that's the wrong question we shouldn't be trying to get our heads around it but we should be trying to learn how to accept it 
that rather than us being in the chapel as such trying to trying to get God's attention, trying to reach up to him and trying to, to say certain prayers that we think will please him or live in a certain way that we think will please him. And, and it's constantly kind of us trying to reach up and reach out and grab on. It's, kind of, it's, it's like as if it's all our work, it's all our effort. We already have God's love. We already have his attention. We are already in the palm of his hand. We are already in his heart. As we are. And that, that can be difficult to, to understand. That can be very difficult to accept. Because for so many of us, we're just used to being loved based on what we do. So if I do certain things, I'll be loved. If I do certain things, I'll be applauded. If I do certain things, I'll be, I'll be seen, known, and, and, and appreciated. And, and that can kind of creep into our relationship with God, that if, I, if, I, if my life is, is, is lived a certain way, if I behave a certain way, then I'll win his favor, his attention, and his love. And then God is just like every other person out there. He's with, with this conditional love based on, on how I am, not who I am. God doesn't see us that way, and he doesn't love us that way. Today, through the prayers and intercession of St. Bartholomew, this man willing to give his life for the Lord, be flayed to death and then beheaded. I'm confident that St. Bartholomew knew that God loved him. He knew the Lord. He knew that Jesus loved him. He knew that. And he knew that that wasn't based on him living a certain way or, or doing a certain thing. He knew the Lord's love. He had, re- he had seen how Jesus would have looked at him. There is an Israelite incapable of deceit. So he knew he was loved. Do you know that? Do you know that the Lord loves you as you are? Do you really believe that? Or deep down, do you believe that you have to perform in order to win his attention and his love? Do we know that we're infinitely loved by Jesus? Do we know that we constantly have the attention of the Father? What a gift it would be for all of us today to know that in our heart of hearts that we're loved that we're held in existence by the Father's thought, by the Father's mind. He holds us in existence by his love. And all he asks us to do is to receive that love. Just to receive it, just to, to, like a fish in water, just to be surrounded by it and just receive that love and respond to his love with ours. That's what everything boils down to. Everything, everything. That we receive God's love and we respond to his love with ours. That's, I mean, if we do that, then following the commandments, living according to the church's teaching, living a virtuous life, avoiding sin, all those kind of things fall into place. If I receive his love and respond to his love with mine, everything else will find its place. So we pray for that, that gift and that grace. That we might know and believe and live in the love of the Father. Amen.